Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our text-in number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. So if you're wondering why my arm is in a sling, this is not a prop for the sermon. Um, I was skateboarding at night, correct? Um, it was wet, had no idea. Then I took a turn, and the turn took me. This is what happened. I went flying, and I broke my collarbone last night. So um, I feel great, if you're wondering. Just feel wonderful. That's a joke, guys. I'm not, I don't feel great. You can laugh. Like, I just broke my collarbone. I do not feel great. But the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. I'm excited to be here even with the broken collarbone at all. But I will be adding a prayer request to the prayer, so you will see prayer for collarbone, and you can know that's not anonymous. That's me right here asking for your prayers so that I can come back to full strength as fast as possible. Tonight we begin episode two of our new series entitled Influencers. We are in our annual campaign as a church called Making Our House a Home. And over the next several weeks, we will be asking you to engage in the life of our church, to consider what it could look like for you to make Crossbridge Church your home, and also how God may be calling you to help make it a home for other people. We said a house is a place you visit with people you barely know or you're getting to know. A home is a place that you live with your family, where you have a voice and a say. And our prayer as a church is that we would be a home and not a house, and that the family of God that inhabits this home that is Crossbridge would speak into it, would invest, would engage, would build relationships, and invite new people into the home. And so we're going to be doing several things um, over the next few weeks. One of the exciting things coming up this Saturday is a baptism. Who's excited about the baptism on Saturday? Uh, It's going to be awesome. That means everyone's going to be there. It's going to be awesome. November 2nd, this Saturday at Crossbridge, uh, Key Biscayne, not actually at the church, but at Key Biscayne Beach Club. We'll send out a text, so make sure you're engaged with us uh, either on social media or on our text service. If you texted in the word hi tonight, we will add you so you can get the information. It's a, a beach club right on the beach in Key Biscayne. We're going to have some food and some drinks for after, but we're going to celebrate uh, three people here that are going to be baptized and several from Crossbridge Key Biscayne as well. And what a way uh, to really speak um, and exemplify this campaign, Making Our House a Home, by seeing people 
uh, brought into the life of the church through baptism as a visible sign and declaration of their faith. It's going to be an awesome, awesome Saturday at a beautiful location. Hope you can make it out. And if you are curious about baptism, maybe you've never been baptized and you're like, I'd like to actually talk a little bit about this. Now there's an opportunity. Um, You can talk to myself or Pastor Tommy after the service. We'd love to talk with you about um, if you're interested in getting baptized this Saturday with a group of people um, at Crossbridge Key Biscayne. We have a lot of other things, exciting things coming up as well, but I don't want to belabor those things. want to jump into tonight in our passage here with Jesus and Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Now, have you ever been invited to something that was much better than you expected? How many of you can think of something right now, raise your hand, that you've been invited to, you're like, this is way better than I thought it was going to be? Only like 10 of you, so the rest of you I feel sorry for. Um, hopefully, people will invite you to great things that blow away your expectations. This happened to me a couple years ago. There was a, a man in the church, and we became friends, and he called me in the afternoon, and he said, hey, man, it's, it's really last minute, but, uh, you know, do you want to go to the heat game tonight? And I'm like, heat game? Free? Yes, of course. And I was like, you know, let me, let me check my schedule. Yes. Uh, we'll go with you. And so he's like, okay, great. After work, let's meet about 30 minutes before the game. We'll meet at the Metro Rail Station. We'll head over to American Airlines Arena and we'll enjoy the game together. And I was excited. We had not really spent a lot of time together yet. So it was going to be just a, a nice time with him. And as we're going there, he's like, you know, these tickets are from my work and they're okay. You know, they're okay tickets. I was like, it's, it's free. And it's the heat game. I don't care. I mean, I've only ever been in the upper deck. So you're not really like going to shock me here. And I'm thinking he's kind of playing it, you know, a little, I was a little confused at what he was doing. So I was like, maybe it's the lower part of the upper deck, which would have been fabulous. Or maybe if you've been to American Airlines Arena, it's that weird middle section, not lower bowl, not top bowl. It's just like, there's like three rows that go around where they play the bongo drums. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, if we're there next to the bongo drums, that's like next level. So we get there, and all of a sudden I'm thrown off because we don't start going up the 25,000 escalators to the top. We stop on like the first floor, and I'm like, um, I don't know if we're supposed to be here. Like, this is where celebrities go. He said, no, 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 the tickets are in here. So we walk into the lower bowl, and I'm like, what's happening? And we start walking down. And we don't stop walking. We're at row 15, row 12. I'm looking around like, is, are, is he doing something illegal? You know how people like they, they go down, they like pretend like they have food in their hands and then they walk down and they go sit in the seats and they get kicked out and they keep jumping around. It's like, is he doing this with me? Like this is, this is gonna be real uncomfortable. We're walking down, it's row 10, it's row nine, eight, seven, six. Row six, in the middle of the court, he's like, oh, here are the seats. And I was like, bro, you said that they were okay. I'm literally getting wet from the sweat of the players right here. You're like, that's gross. But it's true. Six row, they're right there. I've never been to something like this in my life. I've never been that close. Maybe never will unless you have heat tickets. You can always invite me. If you're in the lower bowl, I'm kind of spoiled now. So that's how I do it. But I'm sitting there, I'm like, this blew my expectations away. And he invited me into something that was great. And I felt really honored. I felt appreciated. I was like, wow, I can't believe he could have called anybody. He called me. And what an incredible 
experience. You know, invitations are a great thing. Everybody loves an invitation. We have so many different forms. Maybe we have informal invitations, a text message, uh, you know, direct message on social media where someone, hey, you want to get lunch? Do you want to get a drink after work? Do you want to get coffee? We have evite through email invitations, which are pretty much always like a gender reveal or a wedding shower or something of that nature. I don't know why that's the only thing you can use an evite for, but it seems like it's only those things. And then you have formal invitations, which is really expensive letterhead that you feel bad throwing out because you're like, this probably costs $10 and it's for a wedding. Multiple different types of invitations, informal, evite, formal, but we love them. Why? Because they communicate honor. Invitations convey honor because someone thought of you and wanted to invite you into something. Whether it's lunch or a wedding shower, a baby shower, or a wedding, someone thought of you and said, there are hundreds of people in my network and I want to get lunch with you. I thought of you today to send that text message. I thought of you to send that evite. I thought of you to invite to my wedding. It conveys honor. It's influential to invite someone to something because you're inviting people into a relationship where they feel appreciated and feel loved. All of us love getting invited and all of us hate when we're left out. We hate when we hear other people invited to things and we ourselves are not invited because invitations convey honor. They're influential invitations. And we see that here in this passage with Jesus. Jesus is the great inviter. He is always inviting people into something new and fresh and great. He's always inviting them into an experience that will blow their expectations out of the water, and he does not discriminate on who he invites. Last week, we saw that being an influencer is is to be primarily driven by love. You cannot be an influencer for the way of Jesus if you are not motivated by the love of Jesus, to look at other people differently than society or culture would look at them. You see, Jesus looked at the outcast. He looked at those that were left out, those that were viewed as too far gone, those that were viewed as unclean, those that were labeled as sinners, those that he has no interest in connection in terms of hobbies and maybe even a different faith. Jesus invites all of them into different environments and into relationship with him because as an influencer, He's primarily motivated by love. And so we seek to model the love of Jesus, and we seek to model his culture of invitation. And here, we have Jesus and this man, Zacchaeus. And I don't know if you know this, but this passage has a song. If you grew up in Sunday school, you've heard it goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Come on. He climbed aboard that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I forgot the rest because I didn't pay attention in Sunday school. There's a story, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He has the great honor of being identified as a wee little man. That's, I mean, that's like the worst label ever. Hi, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm a wee little man. And yet, he 
is interested in Jesus. He wants to see what Jesus is all about. He wants to to meet him, to hear what he's going to say, because at this point, Jesus has become very influential. The love that he shows to people has made him famous. People want to hear what he's going to say, what miracle he's going to perform. And he's coming through the town of Jericho, and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he cannot get to him. Because the crowd has barred him. He's a wee little man, and so he cannot push through, and so he climbs up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And you may be wondering, okay, what's the problem here? Is it just that he was small, and so he didn't have the force to kind of push through the crowd as Jesus is making his way down the road? Why, Why is he being barred from seeing Jesus? Well, it's because no one likes Zacchaeus. He is the most hated person in his community. It says that he is a chief tax collector and he's rich, which lets you know the type of tax collector that he is. You see, tax collectors were some of the most hated people in Jewish society because tax collectors were Jews who betrayed their own people to work for the Roman government. Zacchaeus is a Jew who said, I'm going to betray my own people And I'm going to work for the Roman government that has conquered us, has killed many of our friends and family, and now occupies our land and calls us to live according to their way of life with a few freedoms here and there. I'm going to abandon my people. I'm going to work for the Roman government, and I'm going to collect taxes on their behalf. Now, if that isn't bad enough that he's a traitor in the eyes of his people, it says he's rich, which means... He also is greedy. See, to be rich doesn't mean you're greedy, but in this situation, it's signifying the type of tax collector he was. You see, what Rome would do is they would give the tax collectors soldiers, and they would give them soldiers to reinforce the, the, the requirement to pay a tax to Rome. So Zacchaeus, the wee little man, would show up to your house with soldiers and say, you owe this amount of money to Rome. And if you don't pay up, you get thrown in prison or killed. But what tax collectors would do is they would say, you owe 10% to Rome, but you are going to pay 20%, and I'm going to pocket the other 10. And Rome did not care that these tax collectors were upcharging their own people and getting rich off of them because all they wanted was peace and their money. So Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He is the ruler of all the tax collectors in Jericho and the region. And he is upcharging everyone so that he can become rich. So he can get a new mansion and a new house. And no one likes him. Can you ima- just imagine? Put yourself in the shoes of the people in Jericho. Imagine someone who shows up to your house tomorrow and knocks on the door and says, Hey, I'm a tax collector for the city of Miami. And you owe... $10,000, but you have to pay twenty because I need a new penthouse. And if you don't pay, I'm going to throw you in prison. Would you like that person? Would you like that person? Of course not. You would hate that person. You would go on social media and put them on blast immediately. You would talk about them, you would gossip about them, you would share about them. Everybody would view that person and anyone that they were associated with as evil, 
as someone to be outcasted, ignored, barred from community. And so Jesus is coming through, and everybody wants to see Jesus. They want to see what he's going to say, what he's going to do. And Zacchaeus is there as well, and he wants to see Jesus, but nobody will let him. They bar him. And so he climbs up this sycamore tree. It says this in verse 5. Zacchaeus, this is Jesus who notices Zacchaeus up in the tree, hurry and come down. You have to imagine when when Zacchaeus is up in the tree, he has no idea that Jesus is going to know who he is. I mean, why would he? And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus up in this tree, and he's like, hey, dude, in the tree, Zacchaeus, come down. At that moment, he has those butterflies where you're excited and nervous at the same time. He's like, whoa, whoa, Jesus knows my name, but maybe he's about to rebuke me. Maybe he's about to rebuke me as a chief tax collector who's upcharging my people and and is really a traitor. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. That had to have been a shock. Not just to Zacchaeus, but to everyone there. Jesus looks at the most hated person in the community, and he knows his name. He calls him to come down from the tree, and he says, it's time to go to your house, meaning the crowd's going to have to part so Zacchaeus can come next to Jesus, and they can walk together to his house, the house that was paid for off the backs of the crowd that he has been upcharging who is betrayed. I mean, the shock, right? Imagine what they're thinking. Who is this Jesus that walks in here and ignores all of us who are not nearly as evil and as greedy as Zacchaeus, and yet he knows his name? And he invites him to spend time with him and goes to his house? You have to imagine a lot of people at that moment are just like, you know what, I I was really excited about Jesus and what he was going to say and what he was going to do, but I don't know if I can get down with Jesus now. See, Jesus here is modeling what it means to be an influencer. He's primarily driven by love, as we said last week, and so he views Zacchaeus differently than everybody else. He doesn't overlook Zacchaeus's sin and his greed, but he views him with love. Zacchaeus is not too far gone for Jesus to name him and invite him to spend time with him. You see, because Jesus is modeling what it means to be an influencer, the love that is driving him causes him to look at Zacchaeus differently and then invite him into something completely unexpected. Zacchaeus could have no idea that this is what was going to take place today. See, if you are to live according to the way of Jesus, if you are to be an influencer for the way of Jesus, you have to be primarily driven by love, and your love has to drive you to invite people into something unexpectedly great that they may have never thought that they would see or experience, but because the love of Jesus is motivating your heart, you're looking to help connect the life of other people to the way of Jesus. Even the people that are off in the distance. And this is what 
Jesus does. It's interesting in the New Testament, there are roughly nine times where Jesus says, believe in me. Some, some variation of that saying, Jesus comes to people and says, believe in me. Believe in me as Savior. Believe in me as the Messiah. But there are 19 times at minimum where he says, follow me. Isn't that interesting? Nine times he says, believe in me. 19 times he says, follow me. Follow me. He comes to his disciples and he says, what? Follow me. He's constantly calling people to view him and to see the way in which he lives and follow after him. You see, salvation comes through belief. Salvation does not come through works. It doesn't come through you following Jesus as best as you possibly can and and perfecting your righteousness and just getting better and improving yourself morally. And then because God sees you increasing your good works, therefore he's going to bless you and he's going to pour out favor upon you and that your salvation is secure. Your works have nothing to do with your salvation. Salvation is through believing. Your works are a result of your salvation. You see, when you come to believe in Jesus, then you begin to follow him. And what's really important to see is that you cannot come to believe in Jesus unless someone following Jesus invites you to see him. Scripture says this. How can they believe if no one shares? How can they believe if no one invites them to see Jesus? You see, God can do miraculous things. He can come and speak to you on a beach and no one is there. And like the Apostle Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. But more often than not, God uses people following Jesus and the way that he has modeled. And those people following Jesus invite others to see Jesus so they can believe. That's what Jesus is modeling here. He looks at Zacchaeus and he invites him into something unexpectedly great. Invitation is crucial to following the way of Jesus. And look what he says in verse 6 and 7. So Zacchaeus is invited now down from the tree. Jesus and Zacchaeus are going to his house to spend time together. And it says... And he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is the crowd. Said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They see Zacchaeus come down and receive Jesus with joy. And they get angry. They start to grumble. Who is this man? Jesus, who would invite Zacchaeus, a sinner, the worst, to spend time with him? Why would he convey that honor through this invitation? Who is he? See, Jesus, as I said, is modeling what it looks like to be an influencer as you're primarily driven by love and you seek to invite people to see Jesus. But I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, we are more like the crowd than we are like Jesus. 
Raise your hand if you think you're more like the crowd than like Jesus. You better raise your hand. Everybody needs to raise their hand. Put your hand up. Hey, we can put our hands up here, guys. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. Let's throw it up. We are more like the crowd than we are like Jesus. We, we always want to identify with the best people in a story. But we're like the crowd. Here's how we're like the crowd. You can personalize this with people you know. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in your condo. Maybe it's a friend, family member. There are people that you view as too far gone. That they, they've either done something to you that has offended you, that has wounded you, that has deeply affected you in affliction. And now, because of that, you turn your back to them. You want nothing to do with them. There are other people that you view as tar- too far gone because you just think there is no way that person would have any interest in faith in Jesus. There's just no way. I mean, the, the crowd not only despises Zacchaeus, but he would be the last person that they would think would want to see and meet Jesus. He is driven by greed. He cares about no one but himself, and he cares about nothing but money. How many of us have people that we view as too far gone? They are too far from God. I'm not even going to attempt an invitation. They're too far. We turn our back to them. How many of us have friends that maybe know we're a Christian or maybe not, but we view them as being uninterested? We think, you know, I know their life and I know the way that they're living. And I know that for them to come to see Jesus and actually contemplate who he is and the good news of the gospel and, and the way of Jesus, that's a big jump. Their priorities are all off. The things that they focus on are all off. The things that they value are all off. Their belief system is really weird. And so I just don't think my friend is ready to come see Jesus, to be invited to experience him. And so I'm going to turn my back to them. Plus, I don't want the awkward reality in our relationship if I try to bring faith in Jesus into it. We are like the crowd. If we're honest, we turn our back on people that we believe are too far gone, and we turn our back even on our friends because we don't want the awkwardness of the conversation, or we just believe, man, they're, just, they're doing their thing. Maybe later they'll come to me and say, hey, hey, hey. Can I come to church with you? And then I'll say, yeah, of course. But we don't invite. I mean, Jesus very clearly models the way of being an influencer, which is looking at people climbing trees and inviting them to spend time with him. See, here's the reality. So many people that we turn our back on because we believe they're too far gone or because we believe that they're uninterested in faith, they're climbing trees They may not know that they're looking for Jesus, but they're looking for meaning. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. uh, Every single human being in the world is searching for meaning and for hope and for purpose. And all of us struggle with doubt. We get confused. We face situations in life that throw us off. And many of our friends and coworkers and neighbors, family members, people that we have turned our back to, are climbing trees looking for 
answers and for truth. And Jesus says, invite them. Don't turn your back to them. The church is not to be like the crowd. The church is to live like Jesus. To invite, not to turn our back. See, here's the the reality. Sometimes you can be so focused on Jesus that you've turned your back to a bunch of people behind you. If that's the case, you're not looking at the right Jesus. You've made Jesus into something that's palatable, something that's not going to cause you to step out into an awkward conversation, that's not going to cause you to invite that friend that may make things a little bit weird, that's not going to cause you to try to move through the difficulty of forgiveness with that person that's harmed you and then invite them as well. We can make Jesus easily into the kind of this like cultural Jesus that fits our fancy Instead of the real Jesus, it says, hey, you're to be primarily driven by love for all types of people, and the way that you influence people is you invite people, even people like Zacchaeus, to come to see me, to interact with me, to have a meal with me. You see, if you're focused on Jesus, Jesus always sends you back out. If you're looking at Jesus and you're focusing at Jesus and you're saying, I want to live and follow Jesus, I believe in him and now I want to follow him, he is always going to direct you right back to other people. And if he's not directing you to other people, you're not looking at Jesus. When you look at Jesus, he points you to other people because that's how he lived. He walked into Jericho and he didn't look at all the people that were, you know, praising him and lining up. He looked at Zacchaeus in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, you're going to come and you're going to be with me. We're going to have a meal today. He always puts you back out. Some of us here think to ourselves, you know, that's great. I, I, I would love to be an influencer according to the way of Jesus. I would love to love people the way Jesus does. I would love to be an inviter and invite people into a relationship with Jesus. I'd love to bring faith into some of my friendships. I'd love to invite people to church, but I'm just not good at it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you feel like I'm just not good at it? Like I get real awkward real fast, and I don't really know how to do it. Listen, I get it. That's most of you. About 5% of the church has the spiritual gift of evangelism. 5%. 5% of you in this room are great at inviting. You don't feel awkward at all. You bring up your faith all the time. You're always gathering people. You're always inviting people. About 5% of you. The other 95% of you, for the majority of this sermon, are thinking, I, I, I can't do this. I, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm already sweating. You know, I'm just even thinking about it. How do I invite people? You know, Jesus, when he comes to his disciples, I remember I told you he says, follow me. He uses a really interesting illustration. He says this, follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. I will teach you how to be fishers of men. Follow me, Jesus says, when you follow me, when you look to me, I'm going to teach you how to look out to other people and be a fisher of people, how to invite them, how to bring them in. See, it's an interesting illustration that Jesus uses because fishing is something everyone can do. 
Some people are great at fishing. I mean, some of you here are great at fishing. You know the lures to use. You know how to tie, you know, the different kind of knots. You know the tents or the what, I don't even know what it's called. How are you going to catch a shark? You're going to put this line on or a little fish. You're going to put this line on. You know the different kind of bait to use. You know all the spots. You know the time of day. You have like a shirt that has like a thousand pockets in it because you're hiding stuff in there. And it's got, you know, like air can blow through the sides. You have a secret kayak hidden under some palm fronds on the beach where you take it out. I mean, you're really into it. And when you go fishing, you catch fish because you're good. You're skilled. That's the 5% of you that have the spiritual gift of evangelism. You are great at fishing. You invite people all the time. You get into conversations about faith all the time. You're always gathering people. You want people to see Jesus and you don't feel awkward around it. The other 95% of you aren't good at fishing. I mean, you're like, do I use shrimp or a hot dog? I don't know. I mean, how do I even open the reel? I'm like, I mean, what, do I drop? What, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, but here's the truth. Even if you know nothing about fishing, you can catch a fish. Everyone can. You can take a fishing pole, you can put a hot dog on it, and you can drop it in. You may not catch a fish every time, but you'll catch a fish. Just put it right in the water. If there's a fish there, it'll bite the hook, and you just you don't even have to reel. You just pull it right up. Now, how to get it off the hook, that's terrifying, right? Like, ah, now I don't know. I just put it back in the water, you know? <laughs> but everyone can fish. See, sometimes we think about the 12 disciples, and we think these are all superhuman Christian that are all, they have every spiritual gift. Not true. Statistically, probably only a few of the 12 actually had the spiritual gift of evangelism. We're actually good at inviting people. I think Peter's probably one of them because he, you know, put his foot in the mouth all the time. He was just always inviting people and stepping out. But the rest of them probably didn't. They had to follow Jesus and learn how to fish. Took time, but everyone can fish. And when you fish for people, when you seek to be an influencer, helping connect people's lives to the way of Jesus, just by inviting them, which can be as simple as saying, I go to church. When someone asks what you did on the weekend, you say, I went to church. And then saying, would you like to come with me sometime? I mean, fishing can, is that simple. In fact, that may be one of the most powerful evangelistic methods, letting people know that you're a Christian and inviting them to come with you. Statistically speaking, 80% of people that are personally invited to go to church will go or at least strongly consider it and maybe go at a later time. But a lot of us feel like we're not good at inviting, so we don't even put the line out there in the water. We turn our backs to people like the crowd. We don't follow the way of Jesus and invite people like Zacchaeus and others to come and spend time with Christ to wrestle through. But if we did, what we would see is that invitation leads to transformation. So you get to experience something beautiful when you follow the way of Jesus and you invite people to see him. Look what happens here with Zacchaeus. It says in verses 8 through 10, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus in a tree driven by love and he invites him to spend time with him. And he says that today salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus. Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost, and he invites Zacchaeus into that, and Zacchaeus receives it. He believes, but immediately upon believing, he seeks to follow Jesus as well, and he says, listen, now that I believe, Jesus, you've invited me into something completely unexpected and incredible, and that is salvation through faith in you, but I want to follow you now. I want to begin to see you transform me, and so half of everything that I have taken, I'm going to give to the poor, and anyone that I have defrauded, anyone that I have gouged for additional money, I'm going to pay it back fourfold. You see, when you live the way of Jesus and you invite people to see him and you don't turn your back on them, you get to see the transformation that God works in their their life. And we know that because most of us are here because someone invited us. And we got to see the transformation of God working in our lives as well. You see, when Jesus invites you in, he sends you out different. You know, you may be here tonight because you were invited or because you Googled church at night and we're the first one that comes up, which is wonderful. I don't know how we have that, but it's great. Um, but I know that a lot of people are here tonight, maybe your first time, or maybe you've been coming over the past couple weeks or months, and you feel not as much like the crowd, you feel more like Zacchaeus. You're up in a tree, you're looking for meaning, you're looking for purpose, you're looking for hope, you're looking for answers, you're full of doubts, and you've come to see what Jesus is all about, what Christianity is all about. I want to encourage you with something. You see, Jesus says that he stands at the door, the door of your heart, and he knocks. And anyone that hears him knocking and opens the door and receives him, he will come in and share a meal in his house or her house. It's a parallel there for what happens with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come and meet me, receive me, and let's go to your house. Let's share a meal together, and you're going to be transformed through that. Same promises to you if you feel like you're in a tree tonight. Jesus is inviting you to recognize that he's here with you. He's with us in this place, and he's knocking on the door of your heart. And if you will open it to receive him, he will come in, and he will transform you. He will make the house that is your heart a home for him. He will change your thoughts and your desires and your life. It won't be immediate, but it will be a process. And if that is you, I want to invite you to open the door. And if you want to process that more, if you're like, I don't really know what that means, what that looks like, I really want to encourage you to be bold enough to come talk to myself or Pastor Tommy after the service. Let us talk with you, walk with you through your doubts, 
Talk about what it means to open up the door of your heart to receive Jesus and experience that transformation like Zacchaeus did that gave him so much joy, it changed his entire life. But I know many of us here in this room have received Jesus. You know about him knocking on your heart and you opened the door and you received him and you've seen him transform you time and time again and he's still working on you as he's working on me. And tonight he calls us not to be like the crowd but to live like him, to follow him and to invite people like Zacchaeus up in trees to meet him and to experience the transformation that comes from Jesus, to be an inviter. I want to close with uh, a quote from one of my favorite recent TV shows, uh, Stranger Things. Any fans in the room? I thought, I thought it would be more, but it's all good. Uh, Stranger, I, I am a sucker in Stranger Things. If you've seen the show, I'm a sucker for um, Will. I like Will a lot. Will the Wise. How many, any fans of Will in the room? Okay. Yeah, no one likes Will. Um, I like Will. And uh, I just, he's always bringing the group back to what matters. He's always refocusing them. He's will the wise. He's drawing them in to see who they really are. And there's this scene in season three where Will has been trying to get his friends to play Dungeons and Dragons. You remember this? And they won't. They just keep ignoring him. And he's like, guys, we got to finish the game. And it's early in the morning, and Will wakes up Mike, and he says, guys, we got to play Dungeons and Dragons. And Mike is like, man, it's too early, man. We don't want to play Dungeons and Dragons. And then Will looks at his friends, and he views as lazy. <laughs> and he reminds them of their calling. It's actually prophetic as how the rest of the show plays out. He says this, is it early, Michael? Tell that to the villagers crying for help. The children so frightened they cannot sleep. Are you truly going to let them perish? Or are you going to come to their rescue and become the heroes you were always meant to be? He says this to them to get them to play Dungeons and Dragons and defeat the monsters and save the villagers. But it's prophetic for what they actually will do in the series, the heroes that God has called them to be, the the way that he's called them to live in the show as they begin to figure that out. They do, in fact, rescue those that are going to perish. I was considering this week what our calling is. Not stranger things, but more like a gospel thing. You like that? Like a gospel thing. Um, but I wrote this up, and I... Uh, I hope you, this resonates with you. I hope you take this in. Because this is what Jesus is calling us to in Luke 19. Is it awkward? Tell that to the people in your office, in your condo, your friend group, and city that are confused about life and its meaning. And so they're trying anything to fill the void they feel when they lay down to sleep. Are you going to let them perish? Are you going to come to their rescue and invite them to see the hero they were always meant to see. So that's our calling. It's invite people to see the hero that is Jesus they were always meant to see. And there is great joy in being an inviter like Jesus. Will you pray with me?
God, we don't deserve your grace, nor do we deserve your patience with us, but you are both patient and gracious. You are loving. God, we are all Zacchaeus, and we are also the crowd. We are climbing trees, looking for meaning in life, and you are standing there inviting us to see you. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight that feels confused and has questions and doubts. God, I pray that you would knock at the door of their heart and invite them in. Invite them to receive you and experience that transformation. For those of us that have received you, Lord, would you speak to our heart and call us to invite people to see you, to experience that transformation that only you can bring. Would we be people that invite others to see you, Jesus, as hero? Because we're all meant to see you. Would we be driven by love and an inviter? May that be the way that we influence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.